Welcome to New Covenant Church. You're listening to this week's message with teaching pastor Daryl Feemster. But God demonstrates his love toward us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more now, having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life, by his living. Father, you are worthy to receive all praise and honor and glory. Worthy are you, Lord. Thank you for your son. Thank you for redemption. Thank you for forgiveness, but most of all, thank you for life and life abundant in you. We bless you and thank you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. You may be seated. Welcome this morning. Welcome to New Covenant Church. And for those of you that may be watching online, welcome to you. We are so glad you're here. Happy spring break. Yeah. Happy Daylight Savings Time. Yeah, that's not as, didn't get as big of applause, did it? Yeah. Uh, let me take a moment and just uh, honor someone. Uh, yesterday, Melba Edwards passed away. She went home to be with Jesus. I think Pat was, was it 90, uh, I think 90 years old? Something 90? And I tell you, uh, something you don't, many of you don't know who I'm talking about, Melba Edwards. But Melba was one of the founding members of New Covenant Church. She was a forerunner in a, in a very real way to a lot of things. What you don't realize is you are walking in the answered prayers of Melba Edwards. Because of her heart and her life, she was a woman of the Word. She literally led a, a, a group of people who interceded for the entire county of Lampasas. Part of that group literally walked the county line and rode down the Colorado River and walked every part dedicating this place to the Lord Jesus Christ. You are literally sitting in a place that was prayer covered by a woman of God who knew how to touch heaven. On behalf of others. And I praise the Lord for her. Arrangements haven't been made. But I just wanted to give honor to Melba Edwards. And uh, uh, she was kind of like a, a spiritual mother to me for a long time here at New Covenant. And I celebrate her going home. It's hard for me to mourn because I know what she's seeing. And I'm absolutely confident of it. We're glad you're here this morning, and and I'm starting a series for just a couple of weeks. I'm going to preach for two weeks on transformed living, transformed living, and uh, you know I like definitions. Transformed means to be radically changed in condition, nature, or character, and living is to pursue that as a lifestyle. To be transformed and to pursue it as a lifestyle. I want to be very honest with you this morning, I, my, <clears throat> I, I was hoping that uh, I would be able to do some things, but God has really burdened me for, uh, I can't imagine what it's going to be like 
that one day that I might stand before God and I not see people that I always believed would have been there. That I've lived with them, that I've taught them. It scares me more than anything else as a pastor to believe that you could be preached to and preached to and preached to and never really come to a living knowledge, a transformational knowledge of Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And it concerns me so much so that the Lord has told me to, give, to, to share a word with you this morning about transformation. You see, there's a, a lot of people that's riding off the church these days, but not everything calling itself the church is really the body of Christ. I'm going to say that again. Not everything that's in our world today calling itself the church is truly the body of Christ in the earth. I think we have three categories of Christians these days. We have cultural Christians. We have congregational Christians. And we have transformational Christians. Cultural Christians is made up of people who believe themselves to be Christians because their culture tells them they are. They grew up in a Christian heritage. They may have had family with religious roots that have come from different backgrounds or segments of religious society like Baptist or Catholic or Methodist or Church of Christ or, or you could name whatever or even non-denominational. They're Christians because they check the box when they're asked. But they're not practicing a vibrant faith in a living Lord Jesus. Then there's congregational Christians. They're similar to the first group, except these individuals have at least some connection to congregational life. They have a home church they grew up, perhaps, that they grew up in. Perhaps they were married in. Maybe they married into the church. They went through the rituals of congregations. They joined. They may have even attended. They may even attend occasionally. But you wouldn't say that these people are practicing any sort of real, vibrant lifestyle of faith in Jesus Christ. They were born there and they'll probably be buried there because they're congregational Christians. And then there's transformational Christians. These are people who are actually living according to their faith. They are people who you would say... That they've encountered Jesus. They would say they have encountered Jesus. He changed their lives. And since that time, their lives have been, for the most part, increasingly oriented around their faith in Jesus. Not talking about perfection. I'm talking about the direction of their life. From the time they encountered Jesus have been a steady, even if it's a troubled time, has been a steady way of following Him. I want to make a statement that you need to hear today. Christianity is not collapsing in America. But it does need to be clarified, redefined, refined. And I think God's right now doing that. I believe that God is right now allowing a lot of things to happen in church to bring things down to what it's supposed to be, not what it's always been. And so I'm excited, more excited for the church than any day in my life. And I've been preaching a long time. But I'm scared that a lot of people are going to fight the real move of God because they were part of the last move of God. And God's at work today. And He's going to be doing something in our day. And you're going to be astounded 
of what's going to be taking place. What we've got to do is make sure that we are being transformed and living in that style. And so I want to share with you something very, I think, very important. How to be a transformed Christian in a compromising culture. But for this morning, I just want to share with you how to be transformed. Because I believe there's people here this morning that you've been in church all of your life, but you couldn't really say that you have had a personal living relationship with Jesus, that you have truly been changed, transformed by His love and life. And uh, there's going to be people that are probably going to watch this online. And I want to share with you as clearly as I can what it means to be transformed. To me, it's the full gospel of Jesus Christ. And so I want you to turn to John chapter 3, a very familiar passage of Scripture. You grew up on this passage, but I want us to look at it and maybe glean some things from it. John chapter 3, verse 1. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know you're a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. And Nicodemus, first of all, let's just stop there. Nicodemus was a church man. I want you to know, he was a Pharisee. He was a Pharisee. He was part of the Sanhedrin. He was a church man. He had standing in the church of his day, in the Jewish system. He would have been considered a man in the know and would have been well known as knowing the things of God. But he comes to Jesus. Let me tell you, you can think you know it all, but it's after you know it all that you figure out God has something else for you to learn. Nicodemus was smart enough to come to Jesus, but then Jesus just kind of blindsides him. Jesus answered, verse 3, Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, born from above, he cannot see, perceive, even behold the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water, of the flesh, and born of the Spirit by God, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Jesus goes on, but look at verse 9. Nicodemus answered and said to him, How can these things be? Jesus answered him and said, Are you the teacher of Israel and do not know these things? Look at verse 12. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? I don't know about you, but I can identify with Nick. How can these things be? And then the verse, Jesus goes on to say that we memorized, we learned it as a child. Most of us as growing up, John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. 
Now, I know we talk about salvation, talk about being born again and stuff like that. And, and everybody knows this born again thing, this born again. But I want to say it. What was Jesus really telling Nicodemus? He was saying to Nicodemus, Nicodemus, your Jewishness, your upbringing, your teachings, your prestige, and your position will not give you access or even the perception of the kingdom of God is living in. You must, you must, three times, you must be born again, born from above, born of the Spirit, not just the flesh, born of water. You see, Nicodemus had a fundamental need that all men have. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, even the religious ones, even the church ones. In other words, there's something that has to take place that transforms you from what you are and were into what God intends and makes available. Nicodemus, you need a spiritual transformation that can only come from God. Nicodemus was religious but he was rotting. You say, what do you mean? You see, if you've only been born once, you're going to die twice. You're going to die when you give up this breath, and then you're going to be die and being separated from God for all eternity if you've only been born once. If you've been born twice, you're only going to die once. When you give up this flesh to enter into the life that you got on your second birth. How can these things be? Nicodemus thought he was understanding the things of God, but he was blind to his real need. He needed transformation. There's two parts to this transformation that we're going to be talking about next week. How do you live it? There's our part, and there's God's part. I want you to look at John chapter 1, verse 10. Jesus, he, he was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. Verse 12, but as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name, who were, not, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. Let me show you our part. This is the only part you can play in the transformation. It's found in verse 12. As many as received him to those who believe in his name. As many as receive him who believe in his name. Now I'm going to turn them backwards because you won't receive anybody you don't believe. You won't accept and trust somebody you don't believe. 
So believe and receive. That's our part. Believe. Pestuo in the Greek. It means to consider something to be true and therefore worthy of one's trust. To entrust yourself to another in complete confidence. In other words, you believe it's true and it's right. And it's worthy of your complete confidence. Well, what what are you to believe in? To believe in his name, Onoma. Name is not like what we do. We kind of name. Don't you love the kids' names these days? Try spelling them. But names during that day, names represented who you were. It was not just an identification tag, but it was the character and the accomplishment. And literally it had a prophetic ring to it. You see, the word Jesus means the same thing as Joshua. It means Savior. God saves. He was named specifically. You shall call His name Jesus, for He will save His people from their sin. That was in His name. To believe in His name was to, was to believe in the totality of Christ's being, that He is the Son of God, that He did die on the cross for the sin of mankind, and everything that comes out of His mouth and everything He has said and will say is absolutely true. Most people think to become a Christian, I believe what He taught, or I believe that in history He lived and died. No, it means that I completely trust in Jesus for who He is, for what He's done, for what He's promised and what He's said now. I believe Him. I believe in Him. It's more than a mental, intellectual agreement. There's another word here. It's a believe in his name, in, I-S, E-I-S in Greek, it, it means into. The prepositions, every time you talk about being in Christ, every time it's talking about being in Jesus, there's three different prepositions that's used. In, E-N, means what we think of I-N, or being in something. Then, I-S, into, and epe, means upon. How do I believe in, into His name and who He is? Mike, hand me a chair. Thank you. Don't you like the new chairs? Yeah. For me to believe in this, this chair was created to hold a body. It was created that way. To believe in the chair is to believe that it is what it's supposed to be and all that kind of stuff. But that's not to believe into it. To believe into it is something different. You see, I can stand beside this chair and I can tell you, I believe it will hold me up. That's what it was made for. Uh, But it's not holding me up right now. Why is that? Because I'm not believing into it. In other words, I'm not believing upon it. What does it mean to trust in or into or upon this chair? It means that I will give my entire weight... In this chair, holding nothing back, it, 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 I'm believing into it. I'm believing upon it. I'm believing in this chair. How many of you have got chairs you don't believe in? 
And when somebody comes to visit your house, you make sure that chair is not anywhere around. (laughs) Believe into it. Those who believe into His name. If I'm believing in this chair, and I get this from Mike, I believe this chair. I believe it'll, it's a good footstool. I believe in it. I can stand behind it. I can lean on it. I can believe in it. But I'm not believing into it until I rest the whole weight of my life upon what it was created to be and to do. Who it, what it is. For me to believe in Christ, in His name, means that I am committing the entirety of my life upon Jesus Christ. In His love, His life, His death, His resurrection, His pouring out His Spirit. I am convinced He is the Son of God and He has done everything necessary for me to be forgiven now and forever. I'm convinced that God has given His Son for the sacrifice as for all sin, past, present, and future. And He's what He said is absolutely true. There's coming a day Jesus is coming for me. Why? Because I'm resting the whole weight of my life on the truth of who Jesus is. The reality of Jesus. And all that He is and all that He's meant to be and everything that He's promised, I believe Him. I'm committing my life to Him. But listen to me. I need to also receive Him. Believing in Him, I receive Him. Lambano. It means to accept, to take, to receive. And it's in the aorist tense. And here's the thing that I want you to see. The moment I believe in Him and rest the weight of my life into Him... All that in my past, my present, my future, I rested on Him. At that moment, the Bible says that I can receive Him. I literally can take Him for who He is and for who He is to me. It means here that I join myself, I commit myself to Him. Not a chair, not a, per, a, 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 a principle. Not even a teaching. I'm not presenting myself. I'm not receiving a teaching. I am receiving. I am taking Jesus for who He is for me. I'm joining Him. He comes to be in me. I come to be in Him. It's all through Scripture. I receive Him. As many as received Him and believe on His name. Well, what... How did I got on January? No, January, July sixth, right? Nineteen seventy-three. This white-headed lady down here joined me at an altar with a pastor standing behind and said, "Connie, will you take Daryl to be your lawful wedded husband? Will you love him and cherish him?" Will you sustain Him in sickness and in health, in poverty as in wealth, in the good that will light your ways and the bad that, that will come too? And she said, 
I will. The moment she said, I will, she received me to be her husband. She received everything I was. I had offered the invitation. I asked her to marry me. I didn't tell her what she was getting. (laughs) But everything has been better since. Now, here's what I'm She received me. She received me. And we too, though two individuals were standing there, we became something we had never been before. We became husband and wife. The two, two individuals, had one name. And she no longer lived at her house and I no longer lived at my parents' house. Now, we lived making a home for us. I received her, she received me, and we became a living union called the Feimster family. When I believe in Jesus, when I really trust Him for who He is, and I commit the whole way to my... I receive Him, and He receives me, and you become something you have never been before. Transformed, joined, made new in Christ. And that's God's work, and that's what I want to show you. Our part's to believe and receive. Say it with me. Our part is believe and receive. Now, here's God's part. Verse 12 again. To them, those who as many as received Him, to them, He gave, God gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Born of God. To them he gave. Gave did to me. It's a decision of the will of the giver. Without any merit or desert of the one who is a recipient. In other words, God did something though we didn't deserve it. He gave us the right, the exousia, the legitimate, rightful authority. Which includes the power and the ability to be a child, to become a child of God, to become, genomai, it means to come into existence, signifying a change of condition or state and character. The moment I believed and received Jesus, God gave me the legal authority, the legal privilege, the legal right to become, to become something I had never been before, a child of God, a technon, a born, one begotten, not of blood, not of physical descent, had nothing to do with heredity, not of the will of the flesh, by my own personal determination or choice, nor by the will of man, by, by any man-made system. You see, my parents may have baptized me as a baby, but that didn't make me a child of God. I may have tried to live the life. I bet Nicodemus thought he, is, he was a child of God, but Jesus was saying he wasn't. I may try to use all my strength and character to live a good life, perform religious duties, achieve spiritual goals, but those things will not impart to me new life. It takes birth. It takes a new creation. To be born, to be begotten of God. And this is important. Ek theos. 
Ek means out of. Origin. I am birthed to become something I've never been before. A child of God. A part of His kingdom. Born of the Spirit. Born from above. I have been begotten of God. You see, women bear children. Men beget children. I have been begotten of God. Brought into being. Out of the Theos, the supreme being, the eternal infinite spirit, the one who is perfect in power, wisdom, and goodness. He himself, creator of the sovereign and sovereign ruler of the universe, birthed me into his kingdom. You see, when I was born physically, a new person came into the earth. When I was born spiritually, a new person came on the earth and into the kingdom. You've got to understand that God did something to you. How? How can that be? Nicodemus' question. How can these things be? Now, there's a huge mystery there. It's a work of God, but there's a part of it I want you to see. It's 1 Peter 1.23. And let me just go through this quickly. Having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, through the Word of God, which lives and abides forever. The Amplified says it this way. You've been regenerated, born again, recreated, not from mortal origin, seed or sperm, but from, the, but from one that is immortal by the ever-living and lasting Word of God. Let me say it in English in the message. Your new life is not like your old life. Your old birth came from a mortal sperm. Your new birth comes from God's living Word. Let there be. Just think, a life conceived by God Himself. Born. When you were born of your parents, whether you like it or not, their DNA became yours. Their mixture of you became your unique DNA. It took both of them. How many of you just wished... How many of you determined not to be like your daddy? I'm sorry. You got his DNA too. You got his nature too. So when you were born on this earth, you got the nature, you became a partaker of the nature of your mother and dad. When you're born of God, here's the good news. When you're born of God, you become a partaker of His DNA. Of a divine nature. You become somebody you've never been before. You become a new creation. You are transformed as much as from darkness to light. You're talking about turning the light on. God turned everything on when you trusted and received Him. We don't realize what happened when we believed in Jesus Christ. You know, most of the time when we think of being saved, we think of sins being forgiven and our name written in the book of life, which means that we'll be going to heaven when we die. Let me tell you, when you trust Jesus, you are relifed. You're born from above. You're born anew. You become something you've never been before. God's life, His DNA was lifed in you. He Himself, 
comes to live and give life to you. The blueprints of what God intends was written on your spirit. You became God's masterpiece, created for good works, which He planned before that you would walk in them. Folks, becoming a Christian doesn't refurbish you, rework you, but it gives you a brand new life, a transformation. Brings me back to what I started with. Are we just cultural Christians or congregational Christians or are we transformed? The way you know this is by their fruit, by the direction of their life. It's not perfection, it's direction. As many as. It's open to whosoever will. You say, well, preacher, what good will this do? (laughs) What good will this do? Will it really make any difference? If you were to ask those group of people on the day of Pentecost that was gathered in... You see, the gospel message when Jesus died looked like it had fallen apart, right? The leader of the group had died. Oh, they had talked about a resurrection... And Jesus literally appeared. But you see, the world didn't wasn't concerned with it. The whole transformation could be put in one room in Jerusalem. The whole transformed people of the kingdom of God could have been put in one room on earth at that time. Could have been put in one room. And then God poured out His Spirit on that group of people. And we're still reaping the benefits of those transformed lives. And God wants you and I... You say, well, what good is... God wants you and I to be transformed carriers of the power and the authority And the good news of Jesus Christ. Will you be a part? Will you be transformed? You may be here this morning and you may be like Nicodemus. You've been raised in church all your life and you think what you got when you was a kid was good enough for you to go to heaven when you die. I want you to know there's so much more than just being part of a church. You have a DNA available to you to walk in the power of God. Some of you, maybe you've thought you've done all that, but there's still something missing. Maybe we've been playing games with this whole Christianity thing. We've been trying to live it our way. We've been trying to say, yeah, God, I trust you. I trust you. But in the meantime, would you just let me have what I want? Here's what I'm asking you to do. I'm asking you to ask the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, have I been transformed? Born of God. If the Holy Spirit says no, then today's your lucky day. (laughs) Because God's given the invitation, as many as. If the Holy Spirit says yes then here's the opportunity for you to say, then Lord, use me. Do whatever you want to do in me. Do whatever you want to do through me. I want to live my life in your direction. 
for the rest of my life. I want you to stand with me and I'm going to pray. The elders are going to be here at the front to receive any of you. Whatever need you may be having this morning. Maybe you're needing to to recommit and say, Lord, I've been playing games with you, but this morning. Maybe you've never really known. Maybe you don't know. I want you to know they'd love to pray with you and invite the Holy Spirit to refresh you and to come upon you and to birth you or to restore you. Whatever's needed this morning, we invite you to respond to what the Holy Spirit is saying to you. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank You that You didn't leave us to ourselves. But when we believed in Your name and received You, You gave us the legal privilege to become children of God, born of God. So make it so this morning in our lives as we receive You in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message.